Welcome to ATRA, Voices from the Field. This sustainable agriculture podcast is presented by the National Center for Appropriate Technology with support from USDA Rural Business Cooperative. In this episode, Thomas Schroeder, a sustainable ag specialist in the NCAT Southwest office, sat down with Pedro Shambone, owner-operator of My Father's Farm near Seguin, Texas, to talk about food safety and scaling up to wholesale markets. So the question is, one major change I did before when I was doing CSA and moved to a wholesale scenario. Exactly. Okay. So, yeah, so if you can talk about maybe the way you harvested when you were doing the CSA. Okay. And then the changes that you had to make as you as you got into the wholesale yeah. operation. Well, basically, basically one of the main there were there were a lot of a lot of important changes to the farm from CSA to a to a wholesale. For once, in order to comply uh, with all the food safety issues that the wholesale industry wholesale industry requires, we had to go through get certified to, with with the gap in the good handling practices. Mm-hmm. So we contracted it to do it with the USDA directly as the fees were a little bit less than the other third party uh, uh, inspection companies that are there. Uh, when we first got uh, inspected, we did not pass the inspection okay. because we had too many weak wheat areas. For instance, just to mention some, uh, we didn't have mice traps around the packing facility. Okay. There were some open holes within the packing facility, which will make a mice easily or any rodent to get in inside the packing facility. Uh, we were not uh, doing hydrocooling bath to our vegetables. And even though that was not a major requirement, but I did find out that the life expectancy of the vegetable would be a lot longer sure. if we if we if we did a hydro cool bath. Sure. So I took into into I I, I start inquiring about in the def, different ways to do hydro cooling and vegetables, and according to a budget, we we came out with a a, a simple solution. Uh, to just have a, a cool top, stainless steel, where we put water, turn it on, and, and, and it kind of put it almost to the ice mm-hmm. temperature in about 33, 34 degrees. So from that day on, we start putting doing hydro bath and all the vegetables we do. Uh, we also had to change our, our buckets or harvest buckets, the totes or okay. beans, because before we had a whole bunch of different beans, different colors, different size, some were broke, some were in good shape. So we had to kind of throw those away and buy brand new and same size and everything. Same with the implements, you know, like knives and scissors and things like that. Uh, we had to learn how to not only wash them, but to sanitize it. Okay. Before we were washing it, but we were not really sanitizing it. So we had to implement those those things. Uh, now, when I look back, when we were doing the CSA or the farmer's market, it was a lot simple to do it 
because we were not knowledgeable enough of the dangers that we can do if we don't if we don't do it right. Sure. So we were more light, if if you want to use that word. So we we didn't worry too much, you know, whether our dogs are out or close to the chicken or the cow or, or running around in the fields. So at that time, I don't, because of lack of knowledge, we, we didn't know how dangerous that could be. Sure. So we took all the steps necessary uh, to do it. It took us about six months to get into the whole cell. But the fact that we did the gap, it taught us how to do it correctly. So, you know, all the CSA start being more cleaner, easier to handle, the farmer's market, our produce looks better, the life at the table at the farmer's market were better. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a, a major improvement from becoming a CSA to a, a wholesale, even though it took us six months to get into into HEB. So you think that not only the the gap certification that you did improved the safety of your your product but also improved the quality yes. of your product yes. as well yes no question about okay. it wonderful and, and one thing that i that i learned is in, in that i learned is that the first time when we didn't pass and they had to come a second time and we corrected the places where we failed and my only intention was pass the test you know, that was my only concern. Let's pass the test so I can get into into HEB or Central Market. But after that event, I didn't care anymore about passing the test, but to learn and do it correctly. Sure. So nowadays, I, I dedicate more resources to try to avoid those possibilities where it could be a soil-borne disease in my vegetables rather than spending time just to pass a test. I don't know if, if it makes sense what mm-hmm. I'm saying. So I'm not that concerned anymore of passing or not passing the test. I know I will pass it, but not because I'm putting efforts to pass it, but I'm making efforts that what comes out of our farm is safe. Sure. It's safe and it's good quality and, and, and my customers are happy with it. So that's kind of the, the goal. Okay. And there's still room to improve. You know, I, a part of, of doing business with Central Market and HEB I had to take a mandatory training uh, with the FISMA requirements. Okay. You want me to talk about FISMA? Sure. So, you know, that was a $500 two-day seminar. Very intensive. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I think it has like, I don't know, maybe 600 pages. Uh, but that, again, it was another step to continue improving. Sure. There are some things on FISMA that is still kind of in a great area, you know, like the water testing, whether it's four or one, and I know they're under review right now, mm-hmm. but there were some issues that were still kind of in the great area how to deal with it. But having the gap, having the good handling practice and having FISMA, I, regardless, because it, honestly, even FISMA was a required from HEB, it, due to our volume of cells, I, I don't have to comply until two years from now. Okay. So I'm uh, way ahead of, of the requirements. But I do, I did learn, you know, that a lot of people that are saying that, oh, I'm exempt from FISMA. Well, you might be exempt from being uh, outed by FISMA, but you're not exempt from killing someone. You, you can still be a, a very dangerous 
in the way you do your practices. Right. So it doesn't matter if you comply, if you need to comply on that. I think I always, with the people like to, I always encourage them, even if you fail God, do it. So you, 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 you change your practices to do it correctly. Right. And the other thing is that I learned that the FISMA, if you think you're exempt, that doesn't mean that they can still come to your farm and wanted it to inspect. And if you say that you're exempt, you better have papers to show you that, in, in fact, you are exempt. Right. Otherwise, they will go ahead and, and inspect you anyways. Right. If you cannot show that you, you grow produce that is not within the FISMA scope or you wouldn't do the volume of sales, you, you still have to prove, prove it. it. So that, that's another thing. And also, I know from first hand, people in Washington, D.C., in the risk management division, they do a study on smaller farmers uh, because of the exception. And there is a big push that the smaller farmers can be more dangerous than the big guys mm. because of the way they do practices. Sure. One of the executives from the risk management in Washington stated it, that he has visited so many small farmers, and I forgot what the state was, but he said it's scary what he saw. So I know there's going to be something come out uh, for a small farmers to do it. Right. And to me, more than passing the test and everything, I, I, I think it, it, now, now for what I know today, I should have done that the first day I became a farmer. It's, it's just the reality yeah. of it. You know, whether you pass it, whether you sell whole food, you know. I have seen, I have seen farmers taking produce to the farmer's market in their horse trailer. So, you know, we, I mean, it's just, it's just terrible. Yeah. It's just terrible to see. There's it. certain baselines that everyone should be aware, aware of it. Aware of, you know? yeah. And as, as, as another executive mentioned, it, you know, we have to file a, a form called the wild rodent activity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if I go and do a scouting on my fields and I find a deer fecals, so, you know, I have to be diligent, you know, remove it, flag the location, uh, sanitize the shovel or whatever I use, uh, dispose of them, of course, not harvest that piece of the field. In, in what they state, they say, we don't want you to go and kill all the wild <laughs> animals that are in your farm. But as long as you're diligent right. of, of taking precautions to avoid a possible soilborne disease, then you're good. Right, and so, you have a plan to re- to react to it when exactly, it does happen. Exactly, exactly. Then you know whether I'm using hot pepper or doing fences or whatever means that you have available to try to to repel or to uh, avoid those situation is good enough for 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 FISMA. You know, but if they come and they see uh, animal uh, footprints and and fecal and the guys are harvesting harvesting right next to it, you're doing something wrong. Right. So it's just common sense, you know. You can find other episodes of ATRA, Voices from the Field, along with ATRA's other sustainable agriculture resources at www.atra.ncat.org. That's www.attra.ncat.org.